by late Thursday night, we were pretty concerned. Um, but we really didn't get a very clear official picture until um, Friday afternoon, which was good. Uh, we tried to take the position of taking um, direction from the government rather than the media and social media, which we found from day dot has been really useful. And once we got good direction from the government, we were able to act pretty quickly. Dirty Linen had a bit of a cruisy ease into Christmas week planned. But if there's one thing we can say about 2020, it's that best laid plans are not even a joke. I was in Sydney on Thursday and Friday and had a similar feeling to the one I had in March when I was driving around northeast Victoria and it felt like the world was closing down around me. Basically, I wanted to get home. For the second time this year, I felt tearily grateful to get back to Melbourne, this time because Sydney felt on the precipice of something I didn't want to be part of. And as it turns out, everywhere in Australia has now closed its doors to Sydney, which is working hard to control a cluster of COVID cases on the northern beaches. Today, we're chatting to Frank Roberts, food, uh, food and beverage director at Maryvale Restaurant Group, which has four of its 70-odd venues on the northern beaches. Frank, what did you think you'd be doing in the week before Christmas and how is that panning out? Uh, I thought we would be uh, continuing to have an amazing December where um, it, it felt like a lot of uh, the challenges we had early in the year were under control. Um, it's been really busy, absolutely amazing in terms of the atmosphere and, you know, how people have been uh, managing to relax after a tough year. But we uh, managed to <laughs> get ready to face a new sets of challenges, hopefully temporarily. Yeah, look, I really hope it is temporary and that Sydney gets on top of this cluster really quickly and things can get back to that COVID normal, which, you know, from my position in Melbourne, we've been watching Sydney through the year and just feeling like, you know, this that's we wanted to get to where you guys were at. Um, so tell me how the past week has sort of panned out. You know, when you heard about those couple of cases that popped up in Avalon, you know, did the alarm bell start ringing or did it seem like, you know, the situation would come swiftly under control? Look, I think um, the it was pretty quick. So on Thursday afternoon we were made aware um, just a little bit prior to some of the media stuff that was coming out and as we have tried to do from, you know, February, basically, we thought, okay, well, we'll just keep a close eye on it. And um, by late Thursday night, we were pretty concerned. Um, but we really didn't get a very clear official picture until um, Friday afternoon, which was good. Uh, we've tried to take the position of taking um, direction from the government rather than the media and social media which we found from day dot has been really useful. And once we got good direction from the government, we were able to act pretty quickly. But, um, yeah, it's, it was relatively quick turnaround. So tell us about your places on the northern beaches and how they've been impacted. Did you close them all at the same time or, you know, tell me how it all worked out? So we made the call 3 o'clock Friday um, voluntarily to shut uh, the Newport Burt's and Collaroy, and we decided to um, switch Queen Chow Manly over into Takeaway. Um, and that was based around a, a, a good sentiment, I guess, from our uh, management teams in those venues and some, you know, some good direction from the government saying, please consider what you're doing. Um, and we made that call on 3 o'clock Friday. We were all packed up and ready to go by 6 o'clock Friday, which was great. 
And then um, yesterday morning, so Saturday morning, uh, Gladys and uh, Brad Hazard um, were very thankful, I guess, to the Northern Beaches community for acting so fast and um, obviously mandated that decision. It's an interesting way for it to go about, isn't it? I mean, you say you're sort of following the government direction, but it was it was you acted before the government, really. Like you did what they, you know, they asked you to do subsequently what you'd already done. Um, why did you decide to to close on the Friday already? I think um, what we've learnt from um, the first shutdown was that by understanding what the problem was and trying to work proactively with the government, you kind of know what's coming. And instead of waiting to be told, um, again, in a press release 24 hours later, you know, we learnt this the first time. We understand what the challenge is. This is serious. We can see where we're going. The community up there are absolutely fantastic and so engaged in solving the issue that it, it made perfect sense to do so. And uh, we went alone. Um, you know, every, every, I'd say 14 out of 17 pubs in that area and all the all the registered clubs had made the decision um, at a similar time. So, yeah, it was a community decision essentially and um, it was right and it was backed up by, um, by government direction the next day, unsurprisingly. Absolutely. What's the difference in how it feels to close the venues now than it was in March? I mean, I guess you've learned a lot, but, are you, but I think you perhaps also had the feeling that you'd done it once, you were through this and summer was looking so good. I think... Uh, Last time, and I, I, I don't want to, you know, dramatise this, but it did feel like impending doom. Um, and we, we, we didn't know whether we shut for two weeks, three weeks, six months. And, you know, there was an extreme amount of anxiety and panic in Sydney at the time. If I take my mind back to that, you know, Bondi Beach was closed. We knew when Bondi Beach was being closed and we had, you know, this spiralling cases at the time, we were like, goodness me, this could be forever. So this time, having had a second run at it and um, giving ourselves 24 hours to think about it and plan for that a little bit gave us a lot of a lot of movement and also the difference between, for us, um, having to temporarily shut uh, three venues versus the whole group was, um, was, was a lot more manageable. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, how are you feeling about things now? You know, we're, we're chatting on Sunday evening. It's um, five days before Christmas. Are you feeling that the rest of Sydney is going to hold or have you got sort of contingency plans in place for things if they get any worse? Touch, God forbid, touch wood, everything crossed. <laughs> uh, I, th I think you've got to be prepared for everything. I think, I think that's one thing we've learned a lot in the last um, period is you've got to be prepared for everything. And, you know, I mean, when the, when the second round of um, situation at the Crossroads Hotel and the Potts Point cluster um, back in, I think, July... You know, we, again, we prepared for everything and you just, you've just got to be ready. And I'm feeling confident because I genuinely believe that the government um, is doing its absolute best. The team of contact tracing and the system that they've got set up here is strong um, and we, we just have to work with them. And, you know, the Northern Beach is an amazing example. When the community is behind what needs to happen and they drive it, it makes things a lot more straightforward. If we have a spread, God forbid, and we have to go into further lockdown and shutdown, so so be it. But um, we're, we're preparing for both scenarios, one which is further restrictions and operate as we need to, or if something serious happens, then we'll deal with it at the time. But I'm, um, I'm confident that, 
you know, we can do the best job possible and get through it. Yeah, well, I sincerely hope you're right. Um, Frank, can you give us a bit of an insight into the practicalities of, of closing three venues and turning one to takeaway? Because of the scope, the scale of Maryvale, are you able to sort of move stock from venue to venue or um, are you, are you, do you try moving bookings if people have got functions? What, you know, what actually happens in your situation room? Okay, so that's a, it's an interesting one. I, I wish we had some beautiful uh, playbook that, you know, was the, the template of how to do it perfectly. Nothing's perfect, unfortunately. Um, but I think the key things are that, you know, first of all, you, we take clear communication from the government and we work with the authorities. And then what happens with us is a lot of people don't have anyone to call. And when I say um, a lot of people, I'm talking about the customers. So they ring us and say, what does this mean? So we really utilise our... Um, particularly our reservations team to help inform the guests of what the interpretation of the current situation is. And the next step with that is making sure that we proactively let everyone know up until a certain date what the plan is. So as an example, in those three venues um, on Friday morning, we uh, got ahead and contacted everyone up until the 26th of December and said, look, your booking's now cancelled and we'll, all the people beyond that were saying we'll keep in touch with you. So it's a lot of legwork for those guys, but they do a great job. Um, in terms of the mechanics of shutting down the venue, I mean, the good thing was because we knew what was coming on Thursday, we made a call not to order anything fresh on Thursday and the wastage of fresh product was minimal. We just gave it to all our staff um, because we knew we wouldn't be coming back for a couple of days. Um, but in terms of the, the general logistics around shutting the venue down, it's pretty straightforward. Um, we just treat it as like the clothes for a public holiday a couple of days. We learned not to turn all the fridges off last time. That was a really bad idea. Right. Um, it, oh, when you turn fridges off for a while and you turn back on, they don't work. So don't do that, everybody. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, we try to take a simple approach of, you know, clear communication uh, centrally. And then we ask our general managers to communicate with each of their individual teams and HR support and um, give group-wide updates from that perspective. So that's how we approach it. Yeah, I mean, Maryvale is is such a massive beast um, with, you know, so much going on, so many arms to it. Um, do you feel like the fact that the Northern Beaches is, you know, it, it, it's sort of like more than any neighbourhood around Sydney probably it can be contained. I mean, do you feel like that puts Sydney and indeed, you know, broader broader Australia into a better position? Like, do you feel like if we had to have a cluster, that's the place to do it? Well, I guess what I've um, observed over the last 48 hours is that that community are so invested in where they live that when things um, have to change quickly, they can do it. So I would say that that community is pretty um, lifestyle free and easy and they, they, they love the outdoors and they love socialising and they love the, where they live and um, they love going to the beach and getting out there and, you know, it's a real community spirit. It's quite an interesting part of Sydney and watching them mobilise their own shutdown gives me great confidence um, and their ability to connect with what the direction is um, I'm, I'm, I'm very confident. I mean, in terms of geographically, it is probably the in a bad situation, the best part of Sydney to lock down. You can literally lift a bridge and um, there's no trains and there's no ferries or there's a little bit of ferry to Manly, but they're pretty much switched off and most people rely around, um, around 
moving by car and living in that general area. So geographically, I think it'll make a lot of sense. Um, and yeah, I think I, th- I think in a, in a tough situation, it's probably the best location. Mm. And Frank, what is what's happening in the rest of Sydney? Are bookings, you know, are cancellations up and bookings down for this busy pre-Christmas week? Oh yeah, I mean we uh, we probably have dropped about. I was trying to work it out this morning. About forty percent of our bookings for the next three days. Wow. Have dropped. Um, which and we, I was um, talking to some other operators this morning who were down seventy percent or so. A few restaurants have made the decision to close early, um, so they're probably going to go through to the twenty fourth, and they've decided to wrap it up now. But um, but yeah, it's going it's going to definitely impact us. I think the the big one too is the, the is the sort of the slightly larger events. Uh, so you know, we had a couple of scenarios where. You know, firms having a group of thirty people for their Christmas party, but ten of them live on the northern beaches, and it just doesn't uh, make sense. So that all those things will will be postponed. Yeah. Um. And yeah. Also, we were very lucky to have some um some restrictions lifted around um around you know singing, dancing, uh, clubs, etc. So they'll all be postponed till things are a bit more normal. Oh, it's which means that that then you, you change how you operate your uh, other parts of your business. Because, of course, there's also been the change in the density uh, rules for Sydney as well, hasn't there? So instead of being at 1.2 square metres per person, you're now at one person per four square metres. So I suppose um, that's going to affect the capacity of all the venues as well, isn't it? Yep, yep. But the good thing was, I guess we, I mean, we, that's what we discussed this morning in our um, briefing was that, that basically what they've done is moved it back to the previous stage of restrictions. So implementation is pretty straightforward. Like you say, okay, well, that's what we did six weeks ago. We just switched back to December 1. Um, now, at the moment, that's not going to be an issue at all because um, the trades, you know, obviously a bit more conservative as everyone takes direction to, you know, stay at home yeah. a bit more. But it's manageable. One per four is manageable. Um, and as soon as things are safe, I'm sure they'll uh, they'll relook at it. I mean, I have to say, Frank, you sound pretty calm and unflustered I'm sure that that is a necessary quality in your role you know in normal times and has been a, uh, I'm sure that's been a very useful quality this year but is it just um like it's is it sort of like nothing can hurt you now you've just been through everything seen everything come out the other side well I will say this if I was in Victoria maybe I would have um I would have had a different experience because I genuinely feel for what the operators have to go through through that process and the, the general community. My sister lived down there for six months and hearing about it was just, I, 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 honestly, I, I, I don't know how they got through it. It would have been extraordinarily hard. But um, we learnt a lot. And I think the great thing about um, a tough situation like this, whether it's us or anybody else, is you learn how to be agile and flexible and um, pragmatic and, you know, try to keep it nice and calm and clear comms. And we haven't done everything right as an organisation. We've certainly tried our best, but um, we've, we've, we've tried to set the standard of how you, how you deal with a tough situation. And that's what we'll continue to do. And I think the, the, the big thing really is not losing sight of the, the guest and the safety of the guest and the safety of your team. And if you, if you bring it back to that every time it's, and, and take that lens on it um, rather than a operational financial lens and you just go back what's safe what's right for the customer what's right for the team how do we do it the right way 
and go step so step step by step it it, it it looks after itself but i have the most amazing team in australia so genuinely i can't thank them enough because i i I, I, I help steer them with our senior team and uh, Justin's support, but really it's the team that have been able to absolutely smash this that's made us be able to do it with um, with a smile on our face. Mm. Is there anything, you know, from your position, like looking after such a big group, is there anything that you've been able to implement or that you've noticed works well that you think, you know, you advice you could pass on to perhaps smaller operators who don't necessarily have all the back-end resources of you guys but might be able to, you know, take a couple of tips here and there from the way that Maryvale does things? Uh, I think the the key ones would be that clear communication with your team around what is going on and being transparent yet calm, um, regardless of what size of your organisation is really important. Um, the, but, but just being really clear, you know, really clear on the details, what it means to them, what's going to happen as best as you know, all that sort of stuff is really, really important. I think um, giving the right information to your customers or your guests, I think, and I, I, I just, it's just the nature of the beast, but social media and um, the 24-hour news cycle has made it very difficult for the public to work out what is going on. So being able to explain clearly to your customers around this, what's happening when, and so on and so forth. Um, and look, I mean, really, that, that's about it. I, I could give you my opinions on other things, but I think if you really clearly communicate with your team and your guests, and um, take a conservative approach as to what's going to happen, that would be my advice. Yeah, I think that's really good advice. I think one thing that, you know, it's a, it's a, I feel like this situation is a very timely reminder for all operators but also for all diners that contact collection is absolutely key to getting through these situations. Um, do you feel like, you know, I'm sure that's something that Maryvale's all, all over, but do you feel like it's something that, you know, it's it's good to have, it's a bad situation, but it's good to have a reminder of those things that are important to keep the community safe? Oh, definitely. I mean, and it's it's critical to, I mean, we, we've sort of taken the perspective, imagine if this never goes away. So contact tracing will be the thing that will be allow us to operate through this. And if you don't have your contact tracing as an example right, then the only person you've got to blame is yourself. And the contact tracing will be the thing that will allow us to get through this and get through it quickly. So as an example, that, that must be done perfectly. It's almost a, a non-negotiable. And we've partnered with the government, as an example, with the Service New South Wales app because we want all of those things to work. Now, we didn't want to have, you know, 200 staff every week signing people in and doing all these things, but we, we had to. And now we've worked out a way to do it really well and we're really confident that even in a really bad situation, we can manage it. I mean, I take myself back to um, the beginning of March. I believe we were probably the, had the first case of COVID in a restaurant in Australia and Mr Wong, and it was Tom Hanks. And being the person Jesus. who had to... Yeah, yeah. And, and he announced himself on, on Instagram. And being the person who had to ring up the uh, Department of Health who were in uh, mayhem and, and them to say, oh, we don't really know what to do. We'll come back to you as soon as we know. We're trying to work out through this. To, to now... It's a different world, and it's a great it's a great thing, it's a great thing. So you know that those simple logistics must be done correctly to get you through it. If contact tracing works, 
you'll get through this quickly. If you don't have a system, you can look overseas as to um, as the as to some of the chaos they've had unfolded and the tragedy that's come from it. Mm. I was actually really impressed in the ACT and Sydney where I was over the past days um, that both all the venues I was at were using the government's um, contact collection app, which I thought was great. And I know in Victoria we've got one, but I haven't seen many venues using it. And it certainly makes sense that uh, there is a central uh, depository of all this information so that people can just, you know, scoop through and just work out who's been where. Um, I was actually glad to receive a phone call today from um, the Department of Health here in Victoria, just checking that I hadn't been in any of the hotspots. So that was through flight records. So that seemed like it was good that they were onto it. Um, and I will just announce to everybody that I have had a COVID test and I'm negative. <laughs> so I wasn't, I wasn't required to have one, um, but I felt like it was the right thing to do. So I guess, you know, contact collection and, and testing is, um, is going to get us through. Um, Frank, how are you? How if you if you had your crystal ball out, how do you think things are going to pan out, and how are you feeling about twenty twenty one? I think uh, the next forty eight hours are critical, um, and we will say all of our Christmas wishes that um, we get the best possible outcome. But I honestly think the next forty eight hours will really determine what happens next, and I don't have my crystal ball on that one. Uh, in terms of twenty twenty one. I think the great thing that we have going for us in 2021 is that we have really hot summers in Australia and the virus hates heat. So let's hope it does as much like UV damage to that thing as possible. And um, when we get to March or April, we can um, have the vaccination and other alternatives driven through the community and hopefully we can have a slightly more normal year and um, enjoy the country as best we can. Yeah. Well, I certainly hope that you're right. And I've yeah got fingers and toes crossed for the next 48 hours and um, yeah, hope that the numbers are, are squashed and um, yeah, we can look forward to a good summer. Thanks so much, Frank, for your time. Really appreciate you coming along and having a chat to me on Dirty Linen. Appreciate it. It was a pleasure. Thank you very much. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about. We spend a week thrashing around each issue, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This is a Deep in the Weeds production. It's, yeah, it's a really tricky one because, you know, from a government point of view, I can...